builders at the time didn't have financing in-house. And so we had to look elsewhere. And we went through a company, um, asked them for the loan. They were kind of like, no, like y'all are young. Y'all don't even have like a mortgage. Like we're not gonna, we're not gonna like give you this money. Why would we do that? Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 115 with Marique and Co. Bush. The Bushes are a tiny house couple with an extraordinary backstory. Over the first two years of living tiny, they were able to pay off $125,000 in debt. In this interview, Marique and Co. will share the strategies they use to get out of debt how they continue to live intentionally, and how their YouTube channel has changed their lives. Stick around. It's a really great interview. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor today. The Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast is brought to you by Tiny House Decisions. Tiny House Decisions is my signature resource that helps you go from dream to plan to even building your tiny house. I'll tell you more about it after the show, but all you should know right now is that I'm offering 20% off for podcast listeners. Just head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD and use the coupon code TINY. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD, coupon code TINY. I am here with Marique and Co. Bush. Uh, they are a 28-year-old debt-free couple who has been living tiny for two and a half years. Over the first two years living in the tiny house, they were able to pay off $125,000 worth of debt, which was all of their debt, including the tiny house. They met in middle school at age 13 and are now going on six years of marriage. Today, they enjoy sharing their journeys with their audience on YouTube for both inspiration and laughter. Marie and Co., welcome to the show. Thank you so much. We appreciate you having yeah, us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to have you here. So let's let's dive into your story and like maybe we could start with, you know, you, I said it was one hundred twenty five thousand dollars of debt. Maybe like could you break that down? Like where did it all come from? And you know how did you find yourself in that much in in that level of debt? So that that number literally is everything you can think of. We had, we bought two new cars. Um, we had the tiny house, of course, both of our degrees. I had the larger lump sum of um, student loans. And then when we first got married, we were kind of putting everything via credit. So we would literally go to the store, buy furniture and put that on credit. Um, we would use credit card, just really anything you can think of that you didn't necessarily need to put on credit. We were doing so. And we kind of just had the mindset of, I mean, we have great credit scores, so why not put that to use? And a lot of times we would get deals where we would not have, we would have zero interest on it. So we would say, oh, well, even if we can't pay it up front, why not just get it on credit since we don't have to pay any interest on there for however many months? And so anything that we could, we were putting on credit just because we could. Okay. So it's like consumer debt, like credit card debt, school debt, which so many, so many of us have. Um, was there any, like, had you bought any other houses before the tiny house or you? No, we were actually renting. This is our first ownership position since we've been married. Awesome. 
you have a YouTube video that I that I thought was great, which are like the six toxic mindsets of debt. Um, maybe you could, if you remember it, uh, maybe could you run us through some of those? I think because I think that there are many tiny house people who go for the tiny house lifestyle because it's going to save them a lot of money. Um, but I think like the way that you were really intentional about it and that you really focus on debt in your YouTube channel is a refreshing angle and an important one. So I kind that's kind of why I want to start with the debt stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So she had kind of already alluded to one of them at the beginning, which was um, basically just the idea that, you know, if we weren't paying interest on it, it didn't make that big of a deal, you know? And, and so I think, you know, a big part of it was that we didn't really have any real concept of like repayment obligation. So like for me, I know going back to the college debt, you know, when I started in school, you know, they would offer so much money that you could get and you could basically just get it in the form of a refund check if if you took out more than you actually needed for the student loan. So as an 18 year old, you know, I was all over that. Another thing was, you know, just the idea that you had to go into debt to go to school. We didn't we didn't think about it with the mindset of like working our way through college or anything like that. Those are those were kind of the first two in the video. I'll let her talk about some of them as well. Um, yeah, and I said it before, just the fact that we had great credit. So it was like, okay, we've got the credit, uh, so we can afford it. And that doesn't necessarily mean you can't afford it. It was just, you know, like we had it available. And then also talking about the, you know, the zero percent like interest, there was like no interest on it. So we felt like it's not a big deal. We can just rack it up. But I mean, a lot of it for me was, I remember thinking before I bought my car, one of the biggest things was like, well, he bought a new car. So why can't I buy a new car? So that was one of the things. Yeah. Kind of a mindset of like, I deserve this and just like rationalize all of it in some way, shape or form was kind of the gist of it. Um, and so I think realizing that that was, you know, what we were doing was a big part of us deciding to get on the same page and deciding to go after tackling it. So, yes. Um, did you find tiny houses first and say like, oh, we'd love to live tiny and it could help us with our debt? Or did you come at tiny houses from the angle of like, how can we reduce our expenses to get out of debt? It was more of the second one. How can we reduce our expenses? So we started, you know, she had already been wanting to do the whole Dave Ramsey thing for a while. It was kind of in one ear and out the other for me because I wasn't like in that same headspace at the time. But then when my light bulb moment happened and uh, we both decided to get on the same page, initially it was a joke. And we were like, we can't keep standing this because we had a really nice um, luxury downtown apartment. We're like, we're going to be serious about this. We got to we got to scale down our living a little bit. And we both kind of laughed about it. But then the more we thought about it and we thought about, you know, the flexibility that the tiny house gives us combined with. You know, the future rental income we can make off of it, you know, when we decide to stop living in it combined with just the ownership in general, you know, it's just started to make more and more sense. And we started to rerun the numbers and think, well, this will add to our debt in the short term, but in the long term, um, we'll be able to get out of debt and this will help us stay out of debt with the with what we can do with the house in the future. I'm curious, you know, when you when you hatched this plan did you have a projection about of when you would be out of debt and did it, you know, did you beat that date? Did it take longer? Yeah. So originally when we mapped everything out, we were supposed to get on debt. 2021 was the year and it was supposed to be like mid 
2021. And I just remember when we sat down and like mapped it out, I just thought there's no way that I'm waiting until 2021 to be out of there. There's no way I'm living like this until then. Like we've got to figure out a way to make more money. And so my focus was, okay, how many years can we cut off of this realistically? How much money do we have to make extra to get out of debt? So we just started racking up the side hustles to get out of debt as soon as possible. And then we were able to do it um, in 2019. So in April of 2019, we became debt free. Amazing. Have you kept up those side hustles now that you're out of debt? Or did you kind of say like, okay, now I don't have to like work so, so hard. So when we, we ended up actually moving to Texas from Florida. And so we finished, we essentially left all of our jobs back there and moved here. Um, with, he still had his job, but I was basically starting over with um, like looking for a new place to work as far as the uh, restaurant business industry goes. And so we kind of just, because of the move, all of our side hustles got kind of left behind. And I think we both have agreed that if we could go back, we probably would not spend as much time enjoying being debt-free and like getting back on it and, you know, stacking up more money so that we can have our uh, emergency fund fully funded. Nice. Oh man, so many directions we could go. Could you kind of give an overview of of the Dame, Dave Ramsey method, if that is what you followed um, about, you know, getting out of debt? Yeah, absolutely. So it's basically broken down into six smaller bite-sized baby steps, I guess you can call it. The first step is to set aside $1,000 for an emergency fund. You know, in light of coronavirus, we're glad we got out of debt when we did because $1,000 would not be enough for us now. If we could go back, we would definitely save more than that before, but that's officially on record. That's, you know, their first step. And then the second step is to begin to pay off your debt. And so what that looks like is paying it off in the form of a debt snowball where you're organizing the debt in order from smallest debt to largest debt really regardless of the interest interest rate, which a lot of people disagree with. Uh, but what we found with it is that it worked. You know, we found that the plan that you can stay on and the plan that you can follow to the T and continue doing it, you know, that's the best plan for you. And so we continue to do that. And as we continue to pay off debt after debt after debt, we would just gain more and more and more momentum. And every time you pay one off, now you have a little bit more money to dump on the next and that snowball just gets larger and larger and larger until you have this incredible sense of momentum an incredible sense of like basically fulfillment that mm -hmm. this is working and you found, you know, what worked. And so we just continue to push, continue to work harder, continue to pick up more side jobs, shifting around side jobs to see what was more lucrative and everything we could to do it as fast as humanly possible. And then by the time we got to the end, there were a few times where we would make like nine or $10,000 payment in one single month on the tiny house. We did that a couple of times. Wow. Part of it was, you know, we were saving up because we wanted to have some money set aside for the move. So we were like, let's hold off this month on debt. And so it was like kind of like doubling up on two months at once, but it's still more money than we could have ever imagined that we'd be able to pay on debt in a single month. And that just goes to show the power of the momentum of the snowball. That's amazing. Yeah. I, it does make a lot of sense how you kind of start with the small ones so that way you, you quickly get some wins. And then as it snowballs, I guess you are setting aside more money because you've got fewer payments. Yeah, and it's behavior. You know, it's, it's a psychological motivation, which I think a lot of people are sometimes, 
they just feel like they don't need that or like, oh, well, I get it. Like, but no, like our behavioral choices are a big, big, big part of our you know personal finance. And so I just don't think people should, you know, short that and, and just assume that they have the discipline to do it. It's okay to build in some motivations and build in some discipline for you. And it, and it worked for us. So we were incredibly happy to have, you know, do it that way. That's awesome. So how did you, how did you end up financing the tiny house? I'm always curious to find out how people are, are doing that. Uh, it was actually quite the runaround. We, um, when we first decided we were going to go tiny, we were, um, our builders at the time didn't have financing in-house. And so we had to look elsewhere and we look, went through a company, um, Lightstream. Lightstream. Yeah. And so when we first asked them for the loan, they were kind of like, no, like y'all are young. Y'all don't even have like a mortgage. Like we're not gonna, we're not gonna like give you this money. Why would we do that? So then he actually went back my husband went back and he gave them all the information and said like, look, this is our plan. Like we're actually wanting to buy a tiny house and we actually have plans um, to pay it off before this. And here's what we've done so far. Here's our background, our credit, all that. And they kind of came back around and like overturned their decision and and decided that they were going to loan us the money. So that was awesome. He's always telling people, don't take no, don't and listen, yeah. they tell you no one time, keep pushing. You'll get the yes that you're looking for. Yeah. The, and the crazy thing is you probably could have gotten a mortgage for like way more money easier. Yep. It, 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 it made no sense yeah. at all. It made no sense at all. And were they okay with you making those huge payments on the tiny house? Oh, yeah. And that was one of the things I looked at early on is, were there any prepayment penalties? You know, would we be in any type of hot water to pay it off early? And it basically worked like a low interest personal loan, simple interest um, and, you know, no, no early payoff penalty at all. That's great. So I think the reason they were so skeptical is because it's kind of more, it's not looked at like a traditional mortgage is looked at. It's looked at more as like a like a recreational type of purchase. Like okay. people would go and get that type of loan if they were wanting to buy a boat or a jet ski or, or, or an RV. And so they were looking at that and saying, well, you don't have money for toys. You guys don't even have yeah. a, a regular house. We're right. like, no, going to make this toy our regular right. house, um, so to speak. What was the like original like length of the loan on the tiny house? Seven, seven years. years. Seven yeah, years. It would have been seven years if we'd have paid it off. Um, at the eight hundred dollars mm-hmm. per month, and you did it in like two years. Yeah. Yep. yep. Wow. Did it in two years along with the rest of yeah. our debt too. It so might have been even less than that because yeah. we bought the house like already a few months after we had already started doing the debt-free plans. So it was probably like a year and seven months or something like that. Yeah. Wow. Had, because it was our largest debt, it was last in our debt snowball. Mm-hmm. So had we not been paying off everything else before officially paying off the house we probably could have done it much sooner but we tackled everything else before it and then it was the last one to knock out how has the tiny house helped you or maybe it has i'm this is a leading question has the tiny house helped you kind of reinforce that lifestyle or or just like the the lifestyle of not taking on more debt so i think just in general you know we're living with what we need and it just kind of sets a general principle in our life as a whole as to like thinking about, you know, thinking about things up front. Before we buy, we think, but do we need it? Will we use it in two, in two years? Do we have space for it? Yeah. Um, all of these different components that go into it, it's just 
we're more intentional about our thoughts in general on everything within our life. That's wonderful. And how did you, you mentioned this before about kind of balancing the side hustles and like kind of playing around with what you were doing. Maybe like, could you give some examples of like what some of your side hustles were and like how you evaluated whether it was, you know, worth worthwhile? Yeah. Um, so for me, when we were in Florida, I was full-time teacher. So I was teaching. Um, and then I also coached after school and then I was also working in the restaurant. So I, during the school year had those three jobs. And then once the summer came around, I was still obviously still getting paid as a teacher, but I was lifeguarding. I was manager at a life at a pool. And then I was also still serving in the restaurant. And I think that might be it for me. Yeah. And so for me, though, that seemed to be the best. I got the most hours during the summer working in the restaurant because my schedule freed up. And so it was like making way more money because I was still getting my full-time teacher salary on top of all the extra money I was making from the pool and the serving job. Yeah. And then I was working full-time in retail loss prevention. And then on the side, I picked up a bunch of different things. You know, there was some UPS overnight warehouse shifts. I worked at different restaurants throughout the process, but my main Side hustle ended up being pizza delivery, which I did for Domino's and Pizza Hut. And that's what I found to be the most lucrative and what I found to make the most sense. Nice. So it sounds like I could imagine like a more lucrative side hustle, like you have an opportunity to take more hours or do more work, but you've already scheduled, like you've already got another thing that's taking up that time. Right. Yeah. And and that was one of the big things we learned. At first, we were like, let's get as many jobs as possible. And we're doing three. And then we found out that, you know, if we're actually really careful with the first two, we can make more money and just focus on those two and getting as many hours at both of those as possible. But then when you introduce the third, sometimes it gets tricky with scheduling and you don't have enough availability to give to one place. But then you end up getting no hours and then it just. Or you're not sleeping enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it gets tricky after a while. So, yeah, two jobs was really what we found to be best. Yeah, I'm glad that you were able to do it so quickly because it sounds like that could potentially be like unhealthy, as you mentioned, Co, like sleeping and the need to sleep. Yeah, we definitely we definitely loaded it up for sure. But I think one thing that I also learned throughout that process was making sure that like we took care of ourselves because I didn't I, I, I would say before we did the debt free journey, I was not a self care person. I was always like, I mean, self care. What is that really? And then I realized, no, you need those days to yourself, like take some time off. So we were very intentional about that. We would make sure at least once a month that we would like actually not have, I would take off from like teaching, coaching, like my restaurant job at least once a month. And he would take off from his job and we would spend that time together and just by ourselves and just being able to like have a day to ourselves. But we also made sure that we would find some ways to still spend time when we were working. Like I would go and like, sit in the car with him while he's delivering pizzas or he would come and like sit at my table in the restaurant. We still got quality time that way, but that self-care is important. So if you're going crazy like that, make sure you schedule at least once one day a month, do more if you can. And one thing I always try to tell people too, is that, you know, it's okay if you don't, it's all about your intensity level. The intensity variable is what impacts the time variable. If you want to turn the intensity down and just do it over three years or four years versus two, 
you can do that. We're just the kind of people that want to kind of rip the Band-Aid off fast. Let's knock this thing out, get it done. It's going to be painful, but let's just do it, knock it out, and then we can reflect on it and everything. But if that's not the right situation for someone, or maybe children make it harder to, to work that many hours per day, it's okay if you get out of debt in three years or in four years, you still got out of debt, right? you know, in a relatively short, you know, span of time when you look at it across, you know, a lifetime. Your lifetime so yeah. That's just kind of the way we went about it, but you don't necessarily have to turn up the intensity that high. Got it. Yeah. That's great advice. Um, I'm curious about the move. Was that inspired because you found like, a place that you could park the tiny house in Texas or, or what, what inspired the move from Florida to Texas? It was kind of a combination of both. We wanted to get back closer to family, but still stay in the South where it's relatively warm for most of the year. And at the same time, I had the opportunity to transfer within my work and to get a little bit closer to someone I'd be reporting to as I work towards the promotion. So it was kind of a, a bit of work mixed with, you know, just geographic preference. And then when we started researching this area, and learn that a tiny house community was coming to this area, that was like the cherry on top. So you live in the Lake Dallas tiny house village? We do. Nice. I, yeah. I actually had Terry Landtrip on the show a few months ago. I feel like I heard that episode of the podcast. You guys were talking about like developing them in general and some of the roadblocks that he ran into yeah. and the things. Yeah. I, I listened to that podcast episode a couple of times because Something like this is something we might be interested in in the future. So, yeah, I'm familiar with that. Nice. And how, like, so are you living, like, next door to other tiny house dwellers? Yep, absolutely. Uh, there's 13 lots, and 12 of the 13 um, are full right now, and mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a house here. And the 13 one that's spoken for, they're just, I guess, their house is in the process of being built right now. That's awesome. Are So, I mean, how are you liking living tiny i mean you've been doing it for over two years um so i'm guessing you don't hate it but you know overall like how is that how do you like it i mean we like it a lot i don't i mean i always i'm always the one that's like maybe i think we could do this for a while he's like what what is a while because when we have kids we might not be able to do it um yeah i don't i don't really have anything that i would say like i absolutely hate about this lifestyle i think we would switch some things if we were to do it again but i mean the reason why we picked everything we picked was because we wanted to be as cost effective as possible because we had a plan that we were you know um trying to hit but for the most part i love it i can't complain it i was really only worried about my kitchen being still like plenty of space and that's just the same so i have no complaints over here yeah and i feel the same there's definitely things i feel like as your life changes there's different priorities so it's just like you would, the first time you go tiny, you would probably design the house a little bit different than three years down the line. And then three years down, like you would use your space differently mm-hmm. through each of those stages. So I just think that's kind of like a path we may go down where we just kind of change things with the next field, you know, for a, a different stage of life. That Do you have like a timeline in mind for the tiny house? Like, okay, we're going to live in this thing for five years and then we're going to like level up to a small, you know, the home or is it kind of like just do it until it doesn't feel right anymore yeah it's kind of more of the second one it's kind of a running timeline like it'll probably end up being around five years i would say roughly but you know we're we're kind of crossing the bridges as we go (laughs) that's awesome um how's it 
going on YouTube? Is that has that become one of your your side hustles? It has, yeah. We nice. uh, were able to monetize the channel about three months ago, mm-hmm. and we've been getting a lot of different opportunities. Three months already? Yeah, third month <laughs> uh, monetization, and we've been getting a lot of different opportunities that have been helping to really grow the channel. So that's becoming um, a lot of fun, and we're starting to learn a lot of new ways that you know we thought you know okay we're, we'll talk about our debt free journey, we'll talk about our tiny house journey, we'll talk about our marriage. That's kind of our topic, and then we're finding that people are find an interest in a lot of other things that we're doing and funny stuff and you know there's inspirational stuff and encouragement stuff and so our channel is kind of a mixed bag of a lot of different things but you know the audience seems to be responding well to it so we just continue to to try to come up with new concepts uh, put out new videos to help other people or just to make them laugh do do you have a favorite video it could be two separate ones um Oh gosh, I feel like my mind changed so often because we always have like a new one that is like better than the last one. Um, I think my, I, I probably would say like my top three. <laughs> my top three would be, um, I really like the one that we did most recently, A Day in the Life in under quarantine. I also really love our, it was like pretty early on, our celebration for a thousand subscribers. It was just a really well put together video of all the like cutest moments of our channel. And then I think I would also say um, responding, our first responding to hate comments. Yeah. So you like read your own comments? You read the... Yeah, kind of. But it was only two. That was like our first like two hate comments that we ever got. And we were like, oh, my gosh, like our first hate comments. (laughs) That's how you know you've made it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, I have a ton of different favorites, but I guess just looking through the lens of like editing, the one I'm probably the most proud of would be the the day in the light under quarantine that we just recently did. I feel like I really kind of stretched myself and like used a lot of new techniques for the first time. I just feel like it really came together really well. Mm Nice. Well, I'll definitely put that one. I'll embed it on the show notes page for sure. And, you know, your channel's great. So I'm sure people will dive in and and check them all out. Oh, thanks. Appreciate that. You're welcome. So I'm curious if you weighed the cost savings of building your own tiny versus, you know, buying one outright um, and how that factored into your kind of calculations. We did, but the conversation was pretty short because we don't have much building experience. <laughs> and so, you know, we knew we wanted it to be done professionally. We knew that we wanted it to be done right. And, you know, we looked at some different videos of people doing it, but at the time we didn't feel confident. I don't even know that now, three years later, I feel confident trying to do my own build. It would take a lot of time and a lot of energy and effort. And I just don't know that the extra money we save would really be worth it for us but um, you know, somebody else that has a lot of experience with building or family that does, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that you're you're probably I mean, not probably, you're definitely right about that. Like the amount of hours that an, a novice builder will take building their tiny house, like if they actually were paying themselves for those hours and like calculating how much they could have earned working during those hours, like it it almost never works out. Right. So you probably yeah. saved yourself a lot of extra work. We think so yes, too. Yes, but that yes. was also a big reason why we wanted to keep the house cost as mm-hmm. low as possible. 
because we see a lot of tiny houses that are getting up there in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We, we definitely want to keep ours like in the 50s or below. And some people still say, oh, that's too much. Like, you guys don't have much of a concept <laughs> of cost, you know, when, when you are going the professional route. You know, if you yeah. are doing it yourself, then yeah, you can do it for much, much cheaper. But you, know, you got to pay for people's labor and time, materials. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, what did yours, what did your tiny house cost? It was 55000 all 55. in, included. That's super reasonable. I, I we, we, we agree. <laughs> and that's licensed trades, you know, licensed yeah. plumbers, licensed electricians, licensed roofing. So, you know, it, there's a lot that goes into it that I think people just see the size of it and they forget about all the, the different components and even just the trailer itself. You know, sometimes those can be eight to $12,000 oh, yeah. alone, you know? And so, you know, we're, we're happy with it. Nice. And what's the, what's the, what's the length of your tiny? 26 feet. 26. With a little bump out over the, over the tongue. It's, okay. It's really 24 with a, with a, a two foot bump out. Okay. And did you, um, did you do a loft at all or do you have a, ground floor bedroom no we have a sleeping loft right above us um we're sitting here in the kitchen and we also have a storage loft on the opposite side above the bath nice nice and who is who is the builder cornerstone they are in longwood florida which mm-hmm. is in the orlando area nice did you i'm curious about the move um did you decide to tow it yourself or did you hire a professional so when we moved from florida to um, Texas, we had the same person that moved it from Longwood to Jacksonville move it for us. So it was professionally done. We were not about to try to move it up that long way of ourselves, but we did move it ourselves in Texas. So we were living a little bit by about 30 miles out of where we are now. And so we did that move by ourselves. And that was, that was quite the journey. <laughs> it was a very nerve wracking to like see, to like, be in the like truck and feel the house behind us and just feeling like, oh my gosh, like this is everything we own. This is our life right behind us. So that was, that was the journey for sure. Yeah. I feel like we could do a longer move now. I'm definitely Mm -hmm. glad that we started with a small one to kind of like just work the kinks out and figure it out. And now I feel comfortable uh, if we were to do like a longer distance. It would be quite the experience, quite the YouTube video. (laughs) Do you have any plans to move it in the, in the next year or two um i guess it kind of just depends Mm -hmm. on what happens career-wise um and then there's always the option of uh going back home or closer to home which is kansas city missouri for us so it's it's always up there in the clouds but uh Mm -hmm. nothing nothing solid as of yet yeah um so you've known each other for 15 years yeah yeah. Something like that. Give or take. Yeah, 15. You're You've right. known each other longer than you haven't known each other. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm curious how Living Tiny, did it change your relationship at all? Um, I don't, I mean, if anything brought us closer, maybe. Um, We've actually always talked about this because every time we like talk to friends or like even comments online, people are like, oh my gosh, like, can you imagine being in quarantine right now with your significant other in a tiny house? Like, y'all are probably going crazy. And we're like, no, no like, <laughs> it's kind of nice because we get to spend all this time together. And so he's like, well, maybe it's just because, like, we've known each other for so long. So we're, like, really comfortable with each other. And we don't feel like, you know, like, we're 
having problems with there that, aren't so. like latent problems in the relationship that you didn't that you're just figuring out now right <laughs> yeah we're right. like it's all gravy over here so yeah. i mean we've been enjoying it like we i mean i think that speaks to why i guess maybe a little bit because other people that we know are like no like i'm not doing that <laughs> yeah i i I've gotten all kinds of like one liners over the years of like, you know, it's like I could I could live in a tiny house, but not with my wife or not with my husband or like she would need a tiny house just for her shoes or, like you know, like those kinds of comments. I'm sure you get all those all the time. Yeah. Yeah. People. I think it's really hard for people to envision themselves in something like this. And I don't know. I, I did have concerns going in, but at the same time, I still. <laughs> I still felt, what were your concerns going in? So my biggest thing was like, what if we buy this house and then we just absolutely hate it? Like you, I just felt like you don't really know until That's you're doing it. So my biggest fear was if we move into it, we absolutely hate that lifestyle and we don't want to do it anymore. Then what? Which is why we actually mapped out, you know, what it would cost us or how long we needed to stay in the house to break even um, on the cost of it in rent savings. And so we calculated that early on and it came up like three and a half, to four years. So it's like, okay, if we stay in it for three and a half to four years, we didn't lose any money because we would have spent that on rent because we need the flexibility to move around anyway. If we only stay in it two years, then there was a certain dollar amount we needed to sell it for to break even one year. There was another. So I, I kind of like ran all those numbers just to like make sure if we have to pivot and do something else and, and go back traditional that we could do so without putting ourselves in a really big hole financially but we're pretty like flexible people like i mean I, I really feel like we're like really just still go with the flow like you can do anything for a long period of time i think like even if something is hard you can do it for you can do it for a not long short period, short period of <laughs> I was time. Gonna say that. <laughs> you can do it like for a little bit of time and you know that like you're gonna get out of it and it's you know gonna be fine on the other side but i don't really feel like this was one of those things like i'm enjoying it so yeah it turned out to be really smooth yeah well i'm i'm really glad that it did and that you're sharing so much online about your journey um one thing that i like to ask all my guests is uh, what are two or three resources that helped you out along the way that you would like to share with our listeners so that and resources could be like books or youtube channels or you know, courses, videos, anything. So on the debt freedom piece, it was definitely Dave Ramsey's oh, YouTube yeah, channel. Sure. Those videos, you know, we didn't spend a penny on any of his products. Uh, we ended up being given the book after visiting the studio. So they gave it to us for free. So, I mean, the book is out there, but like we did it all with just his videos, which is completely free. Never actually went to the Financial Peace University course. I don't know. I can't speak to it, but, you know, I hear great things about it, but we didn't actually need it. In order to do it um, and then on the tiny house side we paid a lot of attention to the bigger tiny house channels like living big in a tiny house tiny house expedition exploring alternatives they they put together some really good videos to give you a sense of, of the lifestyle and then also the shows on uh roku we would just like log in and, oh, and yeah. watch all of the different tiny house um, hgtv shows as well so um those, I would say, will probably be the biggest resources. And then we spent a lot of time also just trying to find videos that talk about some of the cons, too. Some of the things that you don't typically hear in the non-glamorous side, just so we had a, a well-rounded idea of what to expect. Is there any advice that you would 
give to yourself, you know, back before or when you were embarking on this tiny house journey based on what you've learned and experienced? Like, is there any advice that you give yourself selves then now? I mean, we've actually just today we dropped a video about seven cons of our tiny house that we feel like we would do a little bit differently. So I think um, some of those things are probably just really like minor things that would have been easier to change, but it was because of the reasons why we went tiny that we did them. But um, we've talked about maybe doing something other than like a sleeping loft or maybe like not the ladder that moves around. We've also talked about like having a different, uh, what is that called? Mini split, putting it on a, the other side of the room instead of like above our TVs, just minor things like that. Um, but overall, I think, it would just be to probably not have so much furniture going into it because downsizing was a hassle. So it would have been, make sure you are living the minimalist lifestyle before you decide, well before you decide to go tight. Awesome. Well, Marie and Co. Bush, thank you so much for being guests on the show. This was really fun and I can't wait to share this with, with the listeners. Well, we appreciate you for having us. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much to Marik and Co. Bush for being guests on the show today. You can find the show notes, including links to the Bush's YouTube channel and some of my favorite videos of theirs at thetinyhouse.net slash 115. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 115. Don't forget to visit thetinyhouse.net slash THD to learn more about our sponsor this week, my book, Tiny House Decisions. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.